The following is a presentation of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Powered by Learfield. Welcome to Inside Eagle Nation, your official podcast for Georgia Southern Athletics. Fantrice's debut continues to impress. Four touchdown passes has just tied a Georgia Southern school record. It is 44-7. Inside Eagle Nation is brought to you by Morris Bank. It pays to bank blue. Bud Light. Responsibility has its rewards. Enjoy responsibly. And by Savannah Hilton Head International Airport. Shot fake to get around Anderson. Lane, there's another highlight reel dunk. Check the rim and check the bolts. He almost ripped it off the backboard. It's a game-by-game thing with Kamari Brown. Eagles fans, this is your all-access pass to all things true blue. It's time to take you inside Eagle Nation. And as Coach Russell will say, you ain't seen nothing yet. And now, here's your host, the voice of the Eagles, Danny Reed. Eagle Nation, it's great to see you again. Welcome to episode 215 of the Inside Eagle Nation podcast. As 2023 is off and running, everybody had a chance to cool the engines for just a little bit, but when you look across the country with coaches' conventions taking place, the spring sports schedule is about to begin in earnest. Big Frank has been working his way through Los Angeles, trying to find every great food place that he'd ever dreamed of going to. We'll try to catch up with him at some point as he's been out there covering the national championship for WJCL. But here in Statesboro, it's baseball and softball about a month away. You've got men's and women's golf right around the corner, tennis, also rifle off a conference championship. They are in the middle of their long trip out to Fairbanks, Alaska for their first meet of 2023. Soren Butler will give us some details on that once the crew returns. So just a little bit of an opportunity to kick your shoes off and enjoy the last couple of weeks. But you know we have you covered right here on Inside Eagle Nation. And this week we begin with Georgia Southern swimming and diving. Now the swimming team, as we mentioned, was participating in the Orange Bowl Classic down in Key Largo. But the diving team was also in Miami taking on FIU. The Orange Bowl Classic saw the swimming team take second place overall in the meet. Four total first place finishes. Also six second place finishes. Zuri Clavo took home first place in the 400 meter free and the 200 meter individual medley. And Logan Belanger finished first in the 50 meter breast and the 100-meter breast. Now, the next three meets for swimming and diving will all be over at the rack right here on campus starting this weekend against UNC Wilmington on Saturday and Sunday. And that's in advance of the CCSA championships in February out in Knoxville. So make sure you get over to the rack at some point over these next few weeks and get a look at Allison Sweeney's squad. Georgia Southern Swimming and Diving. A couple of housekeeping notes. Georgia Southern Baseball season tickets are on sale as announced last Tuesday. Remember, you've got the season opener five weeks away with Georgia Southern welcoming in West Virginia for a three-game series out of the Big 12. You can visit gseagles.com for more information about how you can secure your tickets for the 2023 season. Can't wait to see the encore of what 2022 gave us. Georgia Southern 41 victories, most since 2009, getting back to the conference championship game for the fifth time in six seasons, and of course hosting an NCAA regional for the first time ever. 
memories that we will have for the rest of our lives, and we cannot wait to see what 2023 brings to Eagle Nation. Get your tickets now for Georgia Southern Baseball, gseagles.com, 1-800-GSU-WINS. Also, a unique collaborative effort amongst Apex, SAC, and Georgia Southern Athletics for the Feed the Borough event on January 28th from 8 to 10 a.m. over at Statesboro High School, helping families in need in Statesboro in the Bullock County area. You can log on to gseagles.com for more information on Feed the Borough 2023 and how you can get involved. Meanwhile, on the hardwood, finishing up the second weekend of Sunbelt Conference play and plenty more success was had on both the men's and women's side. The men splitting the weekend, 3-1 and one now in league play. That's tied for first, going into weekend number three in the first true road trip that we'll talk about in just a couple of moments. And the women also 3-1, and one, just a game out of first, behind the 4-0 James Madison Dukes. And we'll continue with the women as they were on the road last weekend, and they swept their trip. Thursday in Conway, coming back from eight points down against Coastal Carolina to take down the Shawna Clares 81-75, winning for the first time at the HTC Center since 2017. Taryn Ward contributing a double-double, 17 points, 10 rebounds, also six assists and five steals in 29 minutes of action. That is quite the stat line for somebody that looks to be a shoo-in for all conference laurels for the second straight year. 12 points for Janiah Lovehill, also dishing out five assists in her 30 minutes on court, and 11 points each for Leandra Gillis and Simone James. We'll hear plenty more from Simone in just a moment. But from there, it was a trip to Huntington, West Virginia, a chance to tour campus, go to see the 75 Memorial to honor the memory of those that passed away in the plane crash back in 1970 for the Marshall football team. But Saturday afternoon presented a great opportunity against a thundering herd squad that was unbeaten in conference play. Georgia Southern, though, got off to a tremendous start, building a 23-point lead on the road at the Cam Henderson Center. But Marshall chipped away in the final six and a half minutes, 22-0 run. They actually took the lead with less than a minute to play. But back-to-back defensive efforts by the aforementioned Simone James not only got Georgia Southern back ahead, but kept the Eagles ahead in a thrilling 83 to 80 victory to sweep the weekend and get to 11 and 2 overall. James took the charge after what would have been the go-ahead layup, and then after free throws were made on the other end, James stole the inbounds pass following a Marshall timeout, knocked down one of two at the line, and a desperation heave at the buzzer went off to the side, and Georgia Southern got the three-point win in Huntington to win its third consecutive conference game. They're at home all weekend, Thursday night, 6 p.m. tip against Old Dominion. That'll be education night at Hander Fieldhouse. And then Saturday afternoon, rivalry matchup against Appalachian State. 2 p.m. is the tip-off for first responders and health care appreciation day. Make your plans now to get to Hanner Thursday and Saturday to watch. Georgia Southern men's basketball was 2-0 after the first weekend, taking down South Alabama on the 29th of December and then a road victory at Coastal themselves on New Year's Eve. They had two home games this past weekend against a couple of the newbies. The Marshall Thundering Herd in town on Thursday night, bringing in one of the nation's best offenses, ranking in the top ten in numerous categories. But it was Georgia Southern that threw the first couple of punches, building a 19-point first-half lead, working its way through Marshall's trap. Numerous alley-oop dunks for Kamari Brown. Andre Saversoff, a standout performance, 18 points, including 16 before halftime. But just like the women on Saturday, the men had to deal with a Marshall comeback on Thursday. Thundering Herd getting with within two points with just over a minute to play. But Jalen Finch was the driving force down the stretch for Georgia Southern, rapidly becoming one of the league's best point guards. He scored a season-high 17 points, dished out eight assists with only one turnover. Georgia Southern got the victory against the number 67 team in the net rankings, 81 
to 76. We had a chance to talk to Jalen during the Ford locker room wrap-up last Thursday. Remember, he took what turned out to be the game-changing charge with 31 seconds left with Georgia Southern nursing that two-point lead. And his continued offensive progression had Georgia Southern off to a 3-0 conference start. I just knew that we needed to stop, and they was coming quick. So I just tried to be smart, and I saw that he was going to go hard to the basket with his head down, and I just tried to take a charge, and it, it, it called in our favor. Was there any doubt that you would take of the charge? Or were you just hoping that it was going to be a charge? <laughs> I, um, kind of both, a little bit of both, a little bit of both. I was hoping it was going to be a charge for sure, though. Offensively, you score seven of those 17 points in the last three minutes, 17 seconds. The three field goals, though, three different shots. The reverse, though, that you made going from this side of the floor to the left side and flipping it up with the right hand. You have a way of bringing this crowd to its feet, and I just love the way that you can make so many different shots. Uh, yeah, I just you know try to be aggressive, you know, and um, – Try to get a basket, you know, down the stretch. It was it was really important. We was in a drought a little bit, so I just tried to be aggressive towards the, in the stretch, and you know, we got it done. You've a number of times this year have taken that basketball and really been in control of the game, especially in the final five minutes. Can you feel that those guys look in you to make a play? Uh, yeah, they, my teammates give me confidence, you know, to be able to make those plays and make the right decisions, especially down the stretch. So, credit to my teammates for you know giving me the confidence to do that. And I think about some of the other plays earlier in the second half. Caden Archie's block on a play that would have cut it to four. Ty gets the and one on the other end. Kamari coming up with big play after big play. But just the way that you guys seem to work together, whether it's offense or defense, you guys just have this collective ability to work together. How has that been developed? Uh, it's actually been great from the start of the season to now. We've built a great chemistry together. Uh, we're working well, playing, playing well off each other. So I think that's what's been helping our um, you know, 3-0 start to the Sunbelt Sun Conference. This is the third league that you've played in in the last three years, from the Ohio Valley to the Atlantic Sun, now to the Sunbelt. What's made the Sunbelt stand out so far? Uh, the competition, the energy, um, you know, the competitiveness. It's, it's, you know, all those things has been, you know, a difference maker, I think, and that's been an eye-opener. So it's been great. Head coach Brian Berg also knew that that would be a tall task to beat the Marshall Thundering Herd, a team that came to town with a 12-2 record despite splitting its first conference weekend. But what a meaningful win for his program to stay in first place heading into Saturday against Old Dominion. We took care of business at home. I uh, thought we came out with a lot of fire early in the first half. Played really, really well. Um, Jalen Finch made really good plays to get guys open shots, uh, especially in the first half. And then we put a lot of pressure on the rim. I think they were really trying to speed up the tempo in the first half, and that allowed us to be able to get downhill and, you know, have numbers four on three, three on two, and then we were able to finish at a high rate. You did very similar to that against South Alabama to start conference play, and the key to Marshall's resurgence this year seems to be their defense. They were holding opponents to 40% overall. You shoot 57 for the game. 70 of that was in the first half, and it just seemed that you continually got the shot that you guys wanted. Yeah, give credit to our players, you know, executing the game plan. We also valued the basketball. We had 11 turnovers. That's our magic formula, 11 or less. Um, and then at the same time, then I think a big emphasis in this game was rebounding. Oh, yeah. Marshall is the number one rebounding offensive team in the country. And I thought our guys did a great job limiting them to one and, uh, you know, having a, having a presence in the post and in the paint. 
you know, they were averaging 43 rebounds a game. That's second in the country. You hold them to 28. You're plus 14 on the glass. You've now been plus 49 in those first three conference games. The ability to be consistent and successful in that area, I mean, we've talked about the exploits of Carlos and Andre all season long, but Kamari's been able to pick it up on the glass. Caden Archie's picked it up on the glass. Tyron Moore, remember, had those eight rebounds against Coastal Carolina. So it just seems that everybody's pitching in in that regard. Yeah, no question, Kamari Brown. His, his energy, his rebounding ability. That's multiple games. He's had seven or plus rebounds. It's been, uh, you know, and then you also look at the presence we had in the paint, 56 points in the paint. Um, I just give credit to our players you know, our st and also our staff. Staff's done a really good job putting together game plans for these tough opponents. And I'm glad we were able to take care of business at home. You know we have a quick turnaround going into Old Dominion on Saturday. And then that Saturday afternoon matchup against the Monarchs, another newbie and a very different kind of game. One of the most intense games played at Hanner Fieldhouse in recent memory. Back and forth, the biggest lead the entire game was eight points. Georgia Southern actually fell behind by six early in the second half after a 10-0 Old Dominion run. Back and forth from there pretty much the rest of the way. A go-ahead bucket by Faison Fields from ODU put the Monarchs ahead with just over 20 seconds to play. But again, that man, Jalen Finch, he made two free throws with 2.4 seconds left for a 69-69 tie and overtime necessary. First overtime game of the season for both. Unfortunately for Georgia Southern, Old Dominion made more shots in the final couple of seconds. And the Monarchs held off the Eagles 81-75 to to win it. Georgia Southern did fall to 3-1 and in conference play as Old Dominion split its road weekend. But the good news for Georgia Southern is that they stayed in first place, a four-way tie at 3-1 and with Troy, Southern Miss, and ULM. We talked with Brian Berg after the game. And despite a difficult loss, his guys realized what would be necessary to win a game just like that as they inch towards the postseason. It was a real physical game. Uh, that was the game plan going in, knowing how physical they were going to be. Um, disappointing to lose at home. Thought there were some really good things in the game, and there's definitely some things that we have to clean up. Uh, they beat us on the glass. It was 48-32. That's unlike us through the first three games. But uh, that's an area that we're going to have to address, getting ready for our road trip this upcoming week. What do you think was the cause for the discrepancy on the glass this game? Ah, it's a Jeff Jones team. I mean, that's how they play. It's their mentality. They're going to end up going to the glass. We knew that. We saw that on film. Um, then we had some rotations, which allowed to, uh, you know, have really tough blockouts because you're not in front of your man. Uh, give credit to, to the Old Dominion, the plays that they ended up making. Um, thought there was also some 50-50 balls that could have gone either way that they ended up winning. Um, from an offensive standpoint, they played against or we played against the zone the majority of the game. Yeah. And it was made us a little bit more stagnant, but saw some bright spots that we can build on. Uh, this was game four of 18, and we got to continue to be able to bounce back after this one and ready, getting ready for this upcoming week. What made their zone so tough to go against? They have a lot of length uh, at this level. They have a lot of length, not only on uh, inside, but also on the perimeter. Uh, that caused some problems in regards to us being able to get in gaps, and then they're extremely disciplined. Um, a key area that hurt that I take ownership in is I, I switched to a zone in the flow of a game and it cost us three points. And that was a big play in the game. Um, you know, we always preach that every possession is is so valuable and uh, I, I take ownership of that one. Shouldn't have gave up a wide open three during that transition piece. So I've, at the same time, I need to coach with a better game than that. It looked like they had a really good plan against Jalen Finch. Those two free throws that he made at the end of regulation to send it to overtime, those were his only points, even though he did have four assists and five rebounds. But for Caden Archie continue 
continuing to step forward, 18 points, five boards. Tyron Moore had 10 of his 12 off the bench. Kamari, 12 off the bench. Andre Saversoff, nearly another double-double. The cracks were able to be filled on the offensive end, and it was a collective effort. Yeah, that, I, I just think this, you know, we, we talked about it being a street fight, and uh, you're going to have to control the glass. But had some, some guys step up, make some really good plays. Um, really liked this team. We just need to stay together and continue to try to chip away and get better on a day-to-day -day basis. That's the formula for success. Uh, this is a gauntlet in regards to this league. Every night you're playing a really good team. And uh, we just need to get back to the drawing board and go to work this upcoming week in regards to our road trip. As we mentioned, Eagles on the road for the first time in conference play for a full weekend. Thursday night up in Boone against Appalachian State from the Holmes Convocation Center. Be on the air at 6 p.m. with the Cutwater Spirits countdown to tip-off as Georgia Southern trying to shake off a little bit against the Mountaineers, losing all three times to App last season, including in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament quarterfinals in Pensacola. Then from there, about a four-hour bus ride up to Harrisonburg, Virginia, to the Atlantic Union Bank Center to visit Mark Byington and his James Madison Dukes. 7 o'clock tip-off on Saturday night. Our airtime is 6.30. Georgia Southern against App State and then James Madison for the first true road weekend in conference play. Speaking of men's basketball, this week's interview is with assistant coach Glenn Cyprian. And boy, Sip has been some places over nearly four decades in the profession, all across college athletics. He spent some time in the NBA with the G League, and he's also been the former head coach of the Nigerian national team. We'll cover that with Sip after this timeout on Inside Eagle Nation. Morse Bank is proud to be the Georgia Southern football season presenting sponsor. We've got a lot of Eagles on our team, so we know what it means to bleed blue. Believe, lead, understand, and excel are our principles which Morse Bank was built. Even though things are constantly changing, our commitment to our customers is stronger than ever. Just like the family feel of Georgia Southern, we still say hello when you walk into any of our locations. Because Morris Bank hasn't forgotten that our customers and communities are what it's really all about. And that's what we mean when we say it pays to bank blue. Morris Bank, member FDIC. Inside Eagle Nation continues inside Hanner Fieldhouse, figuring out the inner workings of the Georgia Southern men's basketball program. And for that, we've got maybe the most veteran guy on staff and not necessarily the most veteran guy in Statesboro, year one assistant, Glenn Cyprian, alongside. Sip, thanks for the time today, man. I appreciate you coming to uh, interview me. Not the first time you've been in Statesboro, though. For that, we've got to go back quite a few years to your time at UTSA. And for fans of this program, they'll remember that the Eagles and the Roadrunners were formerly conference rivals in the TAC. But what do you remember about some of those early? days yeah it's a unique situation uh me being at utsa my very first division one job and uh, us being in the same league and being able to come back here to play a game boy it um, the atmosphere here was unbelievable i talk about it all the time just uh, the attendance I, I think the game was sold out or close to sold out but the biggest thing i remember is the competitiveness among the teams the league at that time was unbelievably competitive from top to bottom all the teams had pros we had pros obviously georgia southern had great pros and then like like I said, the crowd, the atmosphere, the, the, the throwing of the toilet tissue, I, that's the one thing I do remember of all the venues I've been to over the years, 30-plus years. I remember coming here and how boisterous the crowd was and, and how intense the game was, and, and um, it was just a great atmosphere. Did you guys have any idea that they were going to throw toilet paper, or was that something that just completely surprised you? Well, it kind of surprised us. They kind of told us right before the game that it was going to happen, but uh, Again, it was just a unique situation. What a great college atmosphere, and, and we're talking 1988. 
why coaching? It's the craziest deal. You know, my dad coached forever and ever, playground ball, and, and had his hands on a lot of guys that come out of the city of New Orleans. My mom even coached, which is crazy. She was a nurse, but she coached part-time, so it's kind of in my blood. You know, I was just around it all the time. I come from a family of five boys. My two older brothers played ball. We all played sports, so a unique family dynamics. Uh, coaching wasn't really what I wanted to be, but uh, this is kind of where I'm at, but it's it's just been a great ride for me, and the thing that I enjoy the most is, and the reason why I'm back is the locker room and the players. Everything I do every day, uh, every conversation I try to have is what can we do, what can I do to help the players. So coaching is just a unique situation. It's changed over the years, but boy, I'm glad I'm back. Before we get more into that, what is it that you wanted to be? Well, at first I wanted to be a policeman, and uh, when I went to high school, I went to an all-boy high school called Jesuit High School in New Orleans, and 16% of my graduating class guys became attorneys. So then I thought about, well, maybe perhaps I, I'd want to be an attorney, but I was kind of all over the place. But I played two years of college ball and going into the summer of my junior year, the AAU coach who was within our organization took a Division One job, and they needed a coach for the summer. I wound up coaching, and, and that's kind of how I got into it. What is it that you enjoy so much about it? Well, again, everything is about the players. I think the competition, I think the coming in the office, the staff camaraderie, I'm very fortunate that Coach Bird gave me this opportunity. And we've got a, a relationship, him, myself, and Tim, and, and, and Coach Shoemaker. So with the prior relationships, it makes it unique coming in every day, knowing, loving, and trusting the guys you're working with, and then getting out on the floor and spending time with the guys and uh, on and off the floor. Being able to add another chapter to your coaching curve with somebody that you had a very significant chapter with. And Coach Berg, Coach McAllister, Coach Groffle at Texas Tech, you guys won 31 games, got to a Monday night. So to experience a national championship game, how is that something that you can give these guys a sense of what it's going to take to get there? That was a special time, and I've been very fortunate, D. I mean, I, I've gone to two Final Fours in my career, and uh, the one thing I do talk about in our locker room is postseason. You know, it, it doesn't matter where you are. You're always playing for something, and, and uh, I always talk postseason, getting ready for postseason, preparing for postseason, because I want our guys to know that the ultimate is the trophy, and it doesn't matter what level. I mean, you look at uh, some of the levels where, you know, whether it be Loyola, Chicago, or or uh, G-Dub or, or some of these schools that have made it, anything is possible. So I, I want our guys to know that you're constantly, every day, you're playing for something, and it's ultimately the big trophy. Can you tell me the first time you met Coach Berg? Yeah, I, I think the first time we met uh, was on the road, just kind of in passing. And, you know, just like anything else, you meet guys and you just never know where it's going to lead you to. Once I got to Texas Tech, we, we got to be really close. Offices right next to each other. Recruiting, team recruiting, which is also important uh, when you have a good staff. And uh, we just became inseparable for a lot of reasons. And, and it's bigger than basketball. I mean, there's things that we talk about that's so much more important than basketball. But uh, it makes it unique because he's a guy that wants to tell all and wants the truth, and I'm able to give him that every day based on my experiences. Not just college, but also spending time with the Nigerian national team for a couple of years before coming to Statesboro, working with the NBA for a while in the G League, working as a scout. So that's a lot of different kinds of experience that you can use to help make these guys better. I mean, there's a lot of ways to motivate guys, and it's uh, 
fortunately or unfortunately, most guys or some guys are motivated by money. Uh, I've seen a lot of it and, and sat next to a lot of it and been a lot of locker rooms where there was a lot of money with NBA guys. And so I'm able to tell them, I say, hey, if, if you want to play at the next level, there are certain things you have to do to become a pro. And it's not just being on the floor. It's the way you handle yourself off the court. And uh, so my past experience has enabled me to have those type of conversation with guys. And so I, I bring a little bit something different to the table here, which is I think is unique. But nonetheless, I think guys, uh, they understand what I'm talking about when I say, hey, this is what it takes to become a pro. You trained for this all year. Endless hours of cardio, conditioning, and weights. And now, you are ready. Ready to trek back to your seat from the concession stand. Through the lines, lost fans, and that mascot who wants you to do a little dancey dance. All without spilling a drop of your ice-cold Bud Light. Welcome back to football, sports fans. Spending nearly four decades in college basketball, you have major experience at Texas A&M with Kentucky, working with Jody Meeks there at UNLV with Sean Marion, and that's to illustrate a point that in college athletics, recruiting never stops. It doesn't matter the sport, doesn't matter the time of the year, recruiting never stops. How do you recruit? It's changed over the years. Uh, I'd say the last couple of years. Now with the transfer rules, you know, and you you have to be able to get some guys to put in some plug in some different areas. Uh, whether it's an older guy for leadership purposes, it always come down. You want winners whenever you recruit. It, it doesn't matter. But uh, based on experiences, experiences around these offices and, and and people that we know around the country, it makes it unique where we can reach guys in different areas of the country. Uh, Chicago has always been a great area of mine. I've had a lot of success in Chicago, so we'll always try to dip and dab a little bit in Chicago with guys. Uh, recruiting is you unique now again because of the transfer rules and because guys are looking for NIL deals. Is it possible to take the ego out of the current state of college basketball or college athletics period when it seems that so much is telling them that it's about the ego? It still comes down to the ego and and, and the ego portion of it is that everyone thinks they're a pro and uh, I think the one thing we're able to do is because of the process that coach has put together here, part of the process is there's just some things you got to do to become a pro, whether it's uh, coming and get film study done uh, with the coaches or whether it's individual uh, work on the floor, it, it's a process. And uh, and part of that is an ego because all our guys think they're pros. Uh, you know, sometimes got guys are not realistic, but uh, their ego kicks in, and, and everyone thinks they're capable of playing at the next level at some level. When you try to assess a player and figure out one, not just where they are, but two, where they want to get to, how does that process unfold? I think the first thing is the background. Obviously, you want a guy who's won, who's had a taste of victory, who understands what winning is. Then we go to the intangibles of guys that's got high character and guys that work hard and guys that's going to represent this great university off the floor. So uh, it's a whole unique uh, list of things that we look for. And, you know, you want guys to be coachable and those those sort of things. And But it's a whole list of, uh, of things that we look at before we look at recruiting guys. When you examine your career, and I know that Coach Berg had you and all the coaches go back and say, how many times have you been to an NCAA tournament? How many titles have you won? How many nets have you cut down? Things of that nature. Where does your mind go when you look at everything that you've done and everything that you've been a part of and responsible for? I say I'm so blessed. You know, I got into this this game in 87, and I got into it to, as a student assistant at UTSA in the Trans-American Conference, like we were talking about the old tag. But uh, I got into it at the age of 19, and then from there, I just I didn't really realize the victories. You just, because you're so living from 
from year to year and coaching from year to year that very rarely, like I, I've never looked at the Final Four game, the championship game since I left there. So it kind of surprised me, to be honest with you, because I've never really sat down and said, man, you've done X, Y, and Z. You know, I've, I'm not that kind of guy. It's always been on to the next. And uh, But I've been very fortunate. I haven't had one bad college job. I hadn't worked for one bad head coach or been part of one bad staff. And I've been very fortunate to uh, to be able to say that it's been fun and it's been enjoyable. In a lot of ways, it's been stressful, but, uh, you know, it's been fun and, and, and I enjoy it every day. You've also spent a considerable amount of time in this conference, the Sunbelt Conference as well. Yeah, I have. And I, I know the league well. Obviously, the league's changed now with the addition to the teams to the league, but uh, it's a very competitive league and, and the travel is brutal, as we well know. And, uh, you know, some teams have some advantages over others because of the travel, but uh, it's a tough league. I don't think people realize how difficult it is to play Thursday, Saturday, and to travel in between days and, you know, what's class schedule and all those things that go on. But uh, it's a brutal league, and I think the one thing you have to do like in any league, is you got to win your home games, and that's where it starts. And uh, you got to protect home court advantage, and hope you can go steal a coastal or some of these games on the road, and uh, and try to position yourself for the end of the year. All right, before you got here, we mentioned this a little bit earlier. Spending a couple of years with the Nigerian national team, how did that opportunity come up, and what did it teach you? Great opportunity, I tell you. I got a phone call from one of my former players who wanted to know if I had any interest in coaching the Nigerian national team in the World Cup. And at that time, I thought, well, maybe I'll just have to go to Nigeria and. and <laughs> And, uh, and coach basketball. But uh, no, we were, you know, we've got pro guys who were NBA guys that was here. And so we did the majority of our training here in the States, in Canada, and we kind of floated around a little bit. We did go over to Nigeria for, you know, 10 to, to, to 14 days, but the majority of the time was spent in China. Just a great experience to be around those guys, be around professional guys. And uh, it's something that I'll cherish for the rest of my life, just to be able to say that I coach in the World Cup. That's probably a hidden part of all of this is the necessary travel, taking you to places you've been a hundred times before, taking you to some places you've never been to before, may never see again. How much do you and the guys appreciate that? I, I do a lot. You know, basketball has been so good to me in so many ways. I mean, just like you said, the travel, the uh, ability to meet people from all around the country and, and just experiences that I can share with my kids and just so they know, uh, man, I've been a lot of places because of basketball. But uh, that's what makes this job unique is, is that uh, you're able to get around the country and, and uh, you never know what's next. I mean, you never know what's in God's plans. But uh, for me to come back to Statesboro, I never thought I'd be back in Statesboro in this role. But uh, again, that's uh, I think this is my calling. And there was a reason why I came back to Statesboro this year. And that's part of the experience of me coaching. Sip, appreciate the time. Great to have you as an Eagle. And we'll catch up down the line. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, appreciate all you do. That's assistant coach Glenn Cyprian. We'll have more Inside Eagle Nation right after this. It's time to pack your bags. Because Savannah Hilton Head International offers nonstop flights to a variety of major cities, including Denver, Miami, New York City, Washington, D.C., Cincinnati, Cleveland, and many more. Eight airlines, 26 nonstop destinations. Savannah Hilton Head International, the official airport of Georgia Southern Athletics. See where the airport can take you at flysav.com. Thanks to our man, Glenn Cyprian, New Georgia Southern basketball assistant and Eagle Nation. We thank you for tuning in each week. Another reminder, women's basketball is at home all weekend long, Thursday, 6 p.m. against Old Dominion, Saturday, 2 p.m. against Appalachian State. The men are on the road 
at App State on Thursday, 6.30 tip-up in Boone, and then Saturday night in Harrisonburg versus James Madison, 7 p.m. We'll be on the air at 6 o'clock on Thursday and 6.30 on Saturday. Eagle Nation, you enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll be right back here next week with another edition of Inside Eagle Nation. You've been listening to Inside Eagle Nation, powered by Learfield, the official podcast of Georgia Southern Athletics. 